Welcome to Crossbridge Brickle's weekly podcast. Whether you are listening to us for the first time or revisiting a previously heard message, thank you for listening, and we hope that the time that you spend with us helps connect your life to the way of Jesus. Every week we gather in the south end of downtown Miami in the financial district of Brickle. If you're in Miami or coming to Miami to visit, make sure to join us Sunday nights at 5 o'clock at 1770 Brickle Avenue. Included with the podcast today, we want to provide online notes for you to follow along with the message through the Bible app, as well as our Spotify playlist to listen to our music played during our gathering on the weekends. All of this information is found in the description of this week's podcast. If you have any questions about Crossbridge, Jesus, or faith in general, we would love to hear from you, and the easiest way to connect with us is by emailing us at brickle at crossbridgemiami.com or send us a text to our text-in number at 305 305- Nine three zero seven zero zero six. Once again, thank you for tuning in. And now here's this week's message from Crossbridge Brickle. Amen. Will you stand with me as we read God's word this evening? Our passage comes from Mark chapter four, starting in verse thirty-five. It says, on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who is this then that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for this evening, this time to gather as your people. We thank you for technology so we could gather not only physically, but remotely and digitally. That we are your church wherever we are, that it doesn't require a building. It just requires the gathering and assembling of your people in worship. And that is what we are doing all over this county, Lord, and maybe even all over the country So we are so incredibly grateful that we have the opportunity to do this, especially in a time like this, when this is exactly what we need, a reminder of who you are, of your power, of your strength, of your peace, when we face uncharted territory and storms in life. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Well, good evening. Good evening to everybody here, and good evening to everybody online. So if you are joining us this evening, you were preparing possibly for the launch of a new series. We wrapped up in a series last week called Explore God, and we were planning on launching this series called Mysterious Messiah. And so we are still launching it. It is going to be a soft launch because of the whirlwind of this week. This week has been unlike any other that I can remember. I think most of us feel that way. Every hour things are changing. 
And so we decided on Friday morning to alter the beginning of our series and to address the state that we are in as a country and really as a globe, to address the coronavirus epidemic and the panic and the anxiety and the terror that many of us are feeling. And so my prayer for you this evening is that you would see that Jesus is your Messiah who is mysteriously in control and present in the midst of life's storms because this is a storm that we are facing. Our passage tonight is Mark chapter 4. And in Mark chapter 4, Jesus was speaking to his disciples. He was with them and he was with a large crowd teaching and preaching all throughout the day. And as the sun's setting, he says to his disciples, hey, we need to make it across the Sea of Galilee and get away from this crowd. Jesus was pro-social distancing when necessary. He said, I need to get away from the crowd. I need to back up. Let's get in the boats. Let's head out across the sea. And so he begins to make his way across the sea. Our text says in verse 35 and 36 that on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them, they took him with them in the boat just as he was and other boats were with him. So Jesus and disciples get in some small boats, these wooden boats that would have been sailboats, they would have been used as fishermen. And the disciples are experienced boaters. They are experienced fishermen. They have taken this journey many, many times before. You see, the Sea of Galilee is not a large body of water. It is a unique body of water because there are mountains and hills rolling out of it. It sits almost like a basin. And the way to travel around the Sea of Galilee in the quickest possible way is to take a boat. And so these men grew up going across the Sea of Galilee as a means of transportation. Many of them were on the waters every day fishing. And so they head out on these boats across the water like they always do, fully expecting to reach the other side before it gets too dark and to settle in for the evening. And then we read this in verse 37. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Now, this would have been familiar as well. You see, the Sea of Galilee was known as a body of water and as a region where windstorms would arise out of nowhere. Because of the mountains coming out of the sea, the wind would come over the mountains and it would create these gusts of wind and these storms out of nowhere. And so they had been accustomed to experiencing this. They knew how to navigate the wind and how to navigate the waves when storms arose. But this storm was different. This storm came out of nowhere. It was sudden and it was aggressive. It was unlike anything that they were used to. It was shaking the boat. It was rocking the boat so much so that as it came upon, it was already filling the boat up. And the disciples become panicked. They become panicked because they don't know what to do. This sudden storm that has come out of nowhere. Do you resonate with that feeling? A sudden storm that has come out of nowhere. You were just going about your week you had all these plans for the next few days, for the next few weeks. You had travel plans. You had work plans. You had events that you were planning on engaging in. You had sporting events that you were looking forward to watching. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, everything begins to shut down. A storm arises. 
Everything begins to be canceled. Everything begins to be changed. And it is unlike anything you or me or any of us have ever experienced. And it is alarming, too, because many of us did not expect this. The coronavirus has been spreading throughout China and other regions for many, many weeks now. But many of us felt, if we're honest, like it's not really going to happen like that here. There are health issues and health concerns that are ravaging countries and cities all the time. There are pandemics and all types of flus and plagues and famines that affect all different parts of the world, but we never feel like it's going to happen here. And now it's come. And maybe you feel like the disciples, panicked. You feel full of terror. It feels like your life, everything is just pouring in. The water is pouring in. And you don't know what to do. And this week has caused that whirlwind, that windstorm that has come out of nowhere as we're beginning, we're trying to evaluate what to do. Many of you are checking Twitter and news platforms every five minutes, constantly seeing what the next update is, what you're supposed to do. You're wondering, am I going to be isolated? Am I going to be quarantined? What's happening next? Many of you are still trying to find toilet paper and hand sanitizer. You're, you're, you're buying food at Publix that you never knew you would ever eat, but you think this could last a while. You're changing travel plans. Your work is being altered. There's a panic in the air. There's an anxiety in the air. And many of us are not only full of terror because of the way that it's affecting our immediate lives, but we're full of terror because we're concerned. We're concerned because we have loved ones that are high risk. We have loved ones that have suppressed immune systems. And we are anxious and nervous. Many of us are concerned because we know how this is going to affect the economy and how then, therefore, it may affect our lives and the livelihood of others. It may affect people's ability to pay rent, to afford groceries, Many of us are concerned because we know that not only is the coronavirus, does it have the ability to bring physical harm, but it has the ability to bring emotional and mental harm. And many of us are feeling that right now, anxious and panicked and fearful. We are concerned because we're adjusting our travel plans and we need that refund, but we're not sure if we're going to get it. Some of us are concerned because we are fearful that we may be a vessel or a vehicle or a carrier of the virus and we may give it to somebody else that does not have the immune system to fight it. There is a lot of terror. We can resonate and relate to the disciples as they are panicking with the water filling in the boat as they're facing a windstorm that they've never experienced before because we are in that now. It feels like we're in a movie. Uncharted territory. And so as they panic, it says in verse 38, but he, that's Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? This is a very common response when 
we face storms in life. The disciples, as they're panicking, the water is filling in the boat, and they're holding on. They're trying to navigate the wind, and nothing is working, and, and nothing is fixing the situation. The storm does not seem to be letting up. They look over, and Jesus is sleeping. And their response to Jesus is an accusation. Jesus, do you even care? Like, you're sleeping. We're panicking. We feel like we're going to die. The boat is filling up with water. What are you doing? It's interesting, their response. Their response is not, hey, Jesus, can you help us? Their response is not, hey, Jesus, what do we do? Their response is, do you even care for us? You see, in the midst of life storms, especially ones that come on suddenly, oftentimes our response is to think, God, do you even care? Do you see what's happening? Do you see how people's lives are being affected? Do you see the fear and the panic? We oftentimes don't come to God with, God, hey, can you help? Or, God, what do we do? We come to God like the disciples came to Jesus and said, do you even care? So Jesus is awakened. It says, he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. I love that. Jesus doesn't look to the disciples and rebuke them. Though he had every right to as they accuse him of not caring about them. He, he wakes up, as I imagine Peter is the one that shakes him awake because the disciple, the apostle Peter, is always the one doing the first action, shaking Jesus awake. Jesus wakes up. He sees the disciples panicked, full of terror, and they're accusing him that he doesn't care about them. And then Jesus, instead of rebuking them, is merciful and gracious and patient. And he stands up and he rebukes the wind and the seas, and he says three words, peace be still. And the only thing that was still was not just the wind and the waves. It was the disciples. You can imagine how they felt in the boat. The wind and the waves have ceased, and the disciples have ceased probably breathing because of how dramatic and how shocking this episode is. It actually says in verse 40, in verse 41, that they were filled with great fear, and they said to one another, who is this then that even the wind and the sea obey him? So Jesus gets up, and he rebukes the wind and the sea, and he says, peace be still, and there is stillness everywhere, and the disciples are full of fear because they realize that they're dealing with a Messiah who is mysteriously powerful, who can control the wind and the sea, and then Jesus looks at them, and he says something very peculiar. He says, why are you so afraid do you still have no faith? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Very interesting question. Because the situation and the surroundings would cause terror and panic and fear. If you are in a windstorm on a boat, you are going to be full of fear. You are going to be panicked. You're going to be full of terror that's understandable. It is also understandable for many of us to feel panicked, to feel terror because of what is happening in the uncharted territory that we are moving into and in the storm that has come out of nowhere with this coronavirus. It's understandable. 
But Jesus is driving at something deeper here. He says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? He's driving at the root cause. You see, the cause of their anxiety and their fear and their panic was not the storm. And the cause of your anxiety and your panic and your fear is not the coronavirus. There's something deeper. It's a loss of control. See, that is what it causes anxiety and fear and panic when storms arise out of nowhere. It is when you realize you are no longer in control. When something comes out of nowhere and you feel powerless, when the course of your life is changed and you know you can do nothing to fix it or correct it, that is how so many of us feel because we know there is nothing that we can do to stop the spread of this virus. It has only been a few weeks and it has traveled almost the entire globe. We feel powerless. We have lost control. And so we feel fear. And Jesus is pushing at this deep cause of fear and anxiety in the midst of a storm. And he says, why do you fear? Do you still have no faith? Why does he say that? See, he doesn't say that because it is unreasonable to be fearful when a storm comes upon you, or it's unreasonable to feel anxious when a storm comes upon you. He's saying it because they do not recognize that Jesus is with them, that God is with them. They don't recognize that God is present. They treat Jesus like he doesn't care for them. They accuse him. They don't come to him for help. They don't come to him for advice. They don't think that they are safe because Jesus is in the boat. They don't even recognize that God is present. They treat God as if God is beyond them, not with them. You see, as we face this pandemic and this panic, we have to evaluate whether or not we believe and whether or not we act as if God is beyond us and not with us. You see, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is with you. He is with us in the storm. So Jesus is driving at the root cause, which is that we do not believe that he is actually with us when we face storms. And so we get panicked and we get fearful because what we look to do in the midst of a storm that arises, we look to cling to our surroundings. We cling to something to bring us reassurance, something that we can hold on to, something we can control, something we can fix. And when we find nothing, we panic. And Jesus is saying, hold to faith. Hold to the realization that I am not beyond you, that I am with you. Think about your prayer life this week. Have you been praying like God is near, like God is present, like God is with you? Or have your prayers been formal, as if God is in another dimension, as if he doesn't care? Or have your prayers been prayers of help, prayers of God's presence and nearness to you? You see, Jesus is challenging us to hold to faith in the midst of storms, to believe that he is with us. It's a question for you to really wrestle with And I think it's a question that really this moment in time is stirring 
in the hearts of believers and in the church, and that is this. Do you believe that Jesus is in the boat with you? Do you believe he's there? Do you believe he's in your life? Do you believe that he's next to you? Do you believe that he's walking alongside of you? Do you believe that he cares for you? Do you believe that he is there to provide help and wisdom and strength and peace? Do you believe that he's with you in the boat? Because when you don't, you're going to panic. Because when you don't cling to faith that God is present and with you in the boat, you will be full of fear. I'm from South Florida, the Miami region, and so I grew up scuba diving. How many of you scuba dive if you're at home? You can raise your hand. Nobody will see, but you can raise your hand. <laughs> if you grew up down here, you grew up on the water, scuba diving or snorkeling. Scuba diving is way better. And many of you have probably moved here and thought, first thing I need to do is either learn how to surf, well, there's not very many waves that often, or I need to learn how to scuba dive. And so you have begun to learn how to do that. Several years ago, about seven or eight years ago, I went to the Bahamas with a group of friends because there was a man there that invited us to his house to go scuba diving and to relax and to get away. So we're like, okay, yes, well, we will get the flight to go to a house in the Bahamas. And so we fly over there and we get there, we begin to settle in, we begin to relax. And he is a very experienced scuba diver. So I want to take you guys out in the water. I want to take you to somewhere you've never been before, something so unique, and the water is crystal clear. And one of my friends that's with me is a master certified scuba diver. It's like he can go to the bottom of like a trench. You know, he's, he's down there in the blackness with the, with the creatures that none of us have ever seen with the little light on the head. You know that he's down there. He's down there. And so he's with me, and he's like, let's go. This is exciting. And so we get on the boat. We check all the gear. We're all ready to do a refresher course, and we get out there on the water. And the, I mean, it's just beautiful. If you've ever been to the Bahamas, the water is just something else. So my friend and I are talking with the man who owns the home and owns the boat and knows this area. And he says, I want to take you somewhere really special. He's like, okay, I'm, I'm all about that. He says, there's a cave down here that will take your breath away. I'm like, okay, I can do a cave. I'm excited about that. 30, 40 feet. He said, the cave is kind of small. Like the hole to get into the cave is kind of like, okay, now we're getting a little nervous here. Uh, what do you mean by, he's like, it's, it's okay. Like, just trust me. I'm like, trust you. Okay, I'm going to trust you. Getting a little bit nervous. I don't feel like you're giving me all the details here. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just, you follow me in. Okay. So we get in the water. We go down and we're seeing all the fish and we're seeing the coral and it's beautiful. We get down to the bottom. We're sitting on the sand, and we're kind of, you know, sign language talking to each other. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, where's the cave, you know? And he points right behind him to a hole about this big. And he's like, and I'm like, <laughs> no, no, no. I don't even know if I can fit in there. I mean, how am I going to get through the cave? And I'm thinking to myself, what if I get stuck in the cave? They're never going to find me. I mean, I'm going to be stuck in the bottom of the Bahamas Ocean for the rest of my life. And, and he's like, no, 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 it's good. No, you're, you're going to be fine. And then I look at my other friend who's the master certified scuba diver, and he's like, and I'm like, okay, that doesn't make me feel good. Now he's like this, but then he gives a thumbs up, and I'm like, well, what am I going to do? I can't go up to the surface and just like float around by myself. So I guess I got to go. So I did sign language. I told them, I'm going between you. Like, I'm not going first, and I'm not going last. I go last, I'm done. I'm lost 
Who knows what's in there? If I go first, I don't know where I'm going. So I'm going in between you. Okay, we're good. So we get into the cave, and it is super tight. I mean, you can't swim. You're kind of like pushing in the cave. And all of a sudden, as we turn the little corner, I realize not only is it small, but it is pitch black. Cannot see anything. Can't see my hand in front of my face. Nothing. Remember, I'm underwater, okay? Scuba gear. I'm starting to panic a little bit. So I keep reaching out to my friend in the front to touch him and my other friend in the back, and I'm touching him as well, just making sure, like, are you here? Is this like a prank? What's happening, you know? We keep pushing through the cave, and it feels like an eternity. All of a sudden, I start getting hit in the face, and I realize there was a school of fish in there, and the fish start hitting me in the face. So we're moving through a school of fish. I'm starting to panic. I'm really starting to freak out. But then I keep touching the friend in front of me and the friend behind me. And I'm like, okay, they're still here. I'm not alone. Can't see anything. Fish are eating my face. And I'm moving through the cave. And all of a sudden, as we move through, I see a little bit of light. And we peer out around the corner. And I see one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. We are under a giant coral head. Inside of it. And my breath was taken away. I mean, just pristine sand. Beautiful. Like you can never imagine. There was a stillness and a peace in that cavern, in that cave. And then we sat in there and we enjoyed that. And then we swam out through another hole that was wide open. And it took us right to the surface. And I got to the surface and said, why didn't we just come in that way? He said, not as fun. And I said, oh, yeah, fun for you. I was freaking out. But see, the only reason why I was able to make it through, the only reason I didn't panic, because you cannot panic when you are scuba diving. The only reason why I made it through that cave to experience the peace and the stillness and the beauty was because I kept reaching out and touching my friend in front and the friend behind me. I knew that I had a trusted friend surrounding me. See, this is what Jesus is reassuring you and me. Life is like the Sea of Galilee, where out of nowhere storms arise, and they take our breath away, and they build panic and terror as we're clinging to the side, as we're clinging to life, as we're fearful. And Jesus looks at you and me, and he says, have faith. I am a trusted friend. I'm in the boat with you. And when you start to panic, reach out because I am here, I am near, I am with you, I care for you. You are not alone. What an incredible truth for us, that Jesus can look at you in the midst of this storm, as you're here tonight, as you're home online, as you're feeling anxious, as you're feeling terror, and he can say three words to you. Peace be still. And the storm may not cease. We don't know what is in the cards for the next few days or weeks. But when you cling to Jesus in faith, knowing that he's a trusted friend and that he is present and that he is in the boat with you and that he is near to you, he can bring peace and stillness to your soul and to your heart. That you're not facing this alone. He's with you. There's a passage in the book of Isaiah that I want to read to you. And I want to invite you to cling to this verse. If you have notes, you could write it down. It's Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. 
hold on to this as we go through this storm together as a church and as a community and as a world. God says to you, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Church, would we cling to faith in the midst of fear? Would we be a pillar of peace when there is panic? Jesus looked at us, church, and he said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. I am with you and I can bring help and I can bring aid and I can bring peace and I can bring stillness that you are not alone. You see, the church for thousands of years has faced pandemics and plagues and persecution. This is not the first time. And each time the church responded with asking God, how do you want us as the church to not only hold fast to faith and not fear, to not only be a pillar of peace and not panic, but God, how do you want us to engage? How do you want us to share and show you Christ in the midst of this situation? And we are facing that moment now as a church. This is our moment to love our neighbor. And there are different ways to love your neighbor. One of the ways that we can love our neighbor is that we can follow the guidelines that the local and state and federal government give us. We can wash our hands for 20 seconds and sing happy birthday twice. We can give elbow greetings and air high fives with a lot of passion. Yes. We can isolate ourselves if we feel any types of symptoms. We can get tested if we feel any symptoms. We can engage in social distancing. We cannot be people that are complaining, but people that look to serve as we face this storm. These are some of the ways that we can love our neighbors, but one of the ways that you can uniquely love your neighbor as a follower of Christ is that you can be a person that displays faith and not fear, that you can display peace and not panic, that you can hold on to hope and not terror. It's how you love your neighbor. To be full of peace and faith and hope because you know that God is with you, that Jesus is in the boat with you. Watchman Nee was a man who faced a lot of storms in life. He was a pastor and preacher who was jailed for 20 years for sharing the gospel in China, and he died in a labor camp there. And he speaks about how do you know that God is near? How do you know that God is present? How do you know that God is with you in the storms of life? And he says this, I must first have the sense of God's possession of me before I can have the sense of his presence with me. See, church, as we face this storm that has come on out of nowhere and we seek to cling to hope and faith and peace, as we 
claim and believe that Jesus is with us, we need to remember and to preach to ourselves every single day that you are God's possession, that you are God's child, that you are a son and a daughter, and so you have no reason to fear because God is in control even when we are not. God is powerful even when we feel powerless. You are his possession, and he is with you. You see, God loves you so much And he cares for you so much that Jesus himself took upon a storm, the storm of the cross, that wasn't sudden. It was, in fact, the reason that he came. It was his mission to come and to give his life as a ransom for you and for me, for our sin and our shame, to die for your anxiety, to die for your panic, to die for your fear. He took upon himself the storm and the judgment and the wrath of God the Father, And he was buried and he came forth alive, resurrected, as we said in the call to worship of this evening's service, that Jesus is the resurrection and life. That when you believe that Jesus has taken a storm for you, that he has died for you, that he has come forth alive for you, you can know that you are his possession, that you are beloved, that you are cherished. And though you may panic and though you may yell out to God, do you even care? Jesus does not rebuke you. He looks at you with mercy and patience and peace. And he looks at you and he says, peace be still. Hold the faith. I'm with you. You don't need to panic. I am present. So church, would we remember that Jesus loves us? that he possesses us and that he is present with us and so we can be people of peace and faith and hope. Will you pray with me? God, we want to be honest that it's not easy to be people of faith and hope and panic. It's much easier to try to control things ourselves. It's much easier to kind of follow the crowd with a common terror. But you remind us that you took a storm for us on the cross, that you are the resurrection and the life, that you can speak stillness and peace to our souls. And so, God, we pray that we would just rest. We pray, God, that we would run to you that we would cling to you and know that you are in the boat with us in the midst of this storm. Calm us, God. Teach us how to love our neighbors. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.